Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies. If you know me, you know I was a smoker. Started when I was 12 and have partaken in the nicotine in some fashion ever since. I even vaped. I'm not proud of that. Anyway, I found something new that is helping me with my nicotine cravings as well as my food cravings. It's called Fume, spelled F-U-M with a cool accent over the U, and it immediately made an impact on me. Fume is the number one natural way to quit smoking. Fume takes super plants, behavioral science, beautiful design in their wooden inhaler, and puts aromatherapy right in your pocket. Check out the Fume site and take the quiz to find out which cores are best for you. It only takes 30 seconds. Cores are the essential oil-infused thingies you put in the wood inhaler. Trust me, it's very easy. They last a really long time, by the way. Where do you find Fume, you say? Well, go right to breathefume.com forward slash BTB and take that quiz. That's B-R-E-A-T-H-E-F-U-M dot com forward slash BTB. Then when you place your order... Use the promo code BTB to get a 10% off that order. Take the quiz. I told you three times. Take the quiz. Then browse all the flavors so you can make your own little variety pack. Once again, that's breathefume.com. No E on the fume. Breathefum.com forward slash BTB. And use that promo code BTB for a 10% discount on your first order. Hey, BTB buddies, my podcast listening was beginning to seem a lot like work. I was listening to comedy podcasts to get better at comedy, and I was listening to podcasting podcasts to get better at podcasting, and it was just getting to be a chore. Fortunately, I found Why Do We Say That with father and son hosts Scott and Liam Kelly. Why Do We Say That is a fun podcast where we learn where common words and phrases originated. It's entertaining and educational, kids. So, for instance, you may learn why we say paint the town red or rule of thumb, which is cool, and it may help you at trivia night. My favorite thing about why do we say that, though, is the interaction between Scott and Liam. It's really funny how they talk to each other, especially when Liam brings up stuff that just totally befuddles Scott. Scott just doesn't know how to handle it, and it's great, just like when I talk to my son. The show ends with word or not a word where they bring on two contestants that have to guess if the word spoken is an actual word or not. And then they get to spell some impossible words. So it's it's nice. It's education. I like it. Why do we say that? It's just a lot of fun. And Scott and Liam do an excellent job with it. So check it out wherever you find podcasts. This guy, he won a comedy contest when he was in college, and now he's become a huge hit. Uh, the the latest special came out on Amazon Prime called Where the Field Corn Grows, 
and now it's a hit on YouTube. He put it on YouTube, and now it's going crazy there, too. And not only that, but he's got uh, a dry bar special, uh, How to Get Out of a Blind Date. It's out, too. Greg hey, Warren, Scott, thanks. How you doing, man? Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. I'm uh, really, really stoked. And I got to tell you, I, I'm i a critical watcher of comedy, and it takes me out of just enjoying the show. I, you, you may get into this, too, but it just totally takes me out of the uh, show so many times when I'm trying to pick out what they're doing right and what they're sure. doing wrong. And with yours, I just got sucked in. And yeah. and then I listened to it critically, and I couldn't find anything to criticize you about. And uh, the one thing that really pisses me off that my wife uh, introduced me to you is you totally ruined my plantar fasciitis joke uh, oh, that, yeah. that I never got to tell because it's so much like yours. There's no way I can tell it. <laughs> and plantar fasciitis, it's a funny word. It's a good word for comedy and I have it. And you know, it just sucks because your foot just burns and hurts and you don't know why. And the exercises and stuff, they, they don't work. And then all of a sudden it just goes away. Right. And then as quick as it went away, all of a sudden it just comes back in full force. So I've, I've had it like three or four different times and nothing really makes it go away except for itself. It just decides to leave for a while. Uh, yeah, man, that's one of those things that, um, I think with most uh, most joke writing, uh, you know, for me, when when something happens, it's not necessarily funny or you don't make the connection. A lot of stuff I've done, it's like that's just something that happened, and I was annoyed with mm -hmm. it, or you know, or it's a part of my life that's an annoyance. That's plantar fasciitis was it's God, it's just uh, it, it really affected me for a very long time, um, but. Uh, you know, and then one day you're in the notebook and you're like, what happened yesterday? What happened two weeks ago? What happened three weeks ago? What's going yeah. on in my life? And you're like, well, there's this plantar fasciitis thing. Is there anything funny about that? No, there's nothing funny about it. It hurts. And then you're sort of like, <laughs> then you sort of get into the, um, you know, the little details of it and see if there's a seam somewhere that you can exploit. And right. uh, it took a while, man. Like, I, you know, there's probably you know, another five minutes that I kind of got left on the table where I was like, ah, that's funny, but it's not, maybe it's not funny enough. And yeah. then it's weird. Cause then you go back and you're like, what was I doing? Like that other five minutes was really good. I should have stuck with that too. Right. And, you know? Um, but yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of bits like that, especially lately where it's just, God, I, I, you know, I've always said it's really hard to write comedy or, you know, that's a stupid thing. Of course it is. But um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, when you sit down and say what's funny to me, nothing, usually nothing, nothing. Is yeah. Funny, you know, and uh -huh. I sort of start, okay, what interrupted the continuum of the day? What happened that didn't normally happen? How did I feel about something? What made me feel a certain way? What do I remember? Mm -hmm. um, or then just what, even if it's like, well, nothing different happened yesterday. Okay. Now let's, let's just sort of break down all the normal things that happen and then see if you mm. can't get within one of those things and break it down a little bit. So you're like, ah, actually that is, you know, it's when you break it into its parts, there is something significant about it. Yeah. Um, incidentally, before we get going, I, so liquid death is one of your sponsors. 
Yeah, um, yeah. At least, at least for a month. Yeah. Yeah, I know the guy that uh, that started that project, and one of the, one of the main oh, guys cool. there. Yeah, his name's Dan Murphy. His mom is one of my uh, best friends, and she runs the comedy club in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, um, cool. Colleen Quinn. Yeah, but Murph, I think he's a partner, and it's you, you know he he's a guy that's. Um, very successful in advertising. I don't know where he's working now, some big agency or maybe he was at Google for a while. Yeah. A really funny guy, really creative guy. Um, but that's his project. So if you go to the Omaha funny bone, you know, that's the only water you're going to get, but it's, yeah, the liquid it's, death. It's, yeah. it's really cool to see that it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I really enjoy the fact because I've put together like a running skit with me talking to the liquid death demon. And that's the, <laughs> that's the thing I put in front of the podcast. And the nice thing about them is I can say anything I want. I, you know, you know, I, I try to, uh, I I've got one line. Um, they're, uh, donating 10% of their profits to clean up past uh plastic waste to oh, save cool. the save the fucking turtles so i can just <laughs> say that and and it's it's really cool and they they encourage it so uh it, yeah that's a good like fit Murph, for me yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a very uh very creative guy yeah very yeah bright, very bright guy yeah no yeah him since he was a kid yeah cool. cool yeah i i've enjoyed this one and i i i hope they like me enough to keep me on but they gave me a, a month trial so we'll see how it goes cool, cool. yeah well, i texted yeah. uh right when you were doing that i was texting his mom i was texting colleen i'm like hey isn't isn't murph's product liquid death and she's like yeah that's it and i'm like oh yeah. well this guy's just plugging it right now so okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah small world one of the things i mean the you talked about the birth of the plantar fasciitis joke, but you are so observant. I, mean, I, I kind of compare you to Seinfeld in your observations, and you've got one bit that just it, it made it made me want to find out if you had to do some research. It's 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 uh, I'm dining alone. Is, is it just you? And and you talk about the seating chart and you talk about being in somebody's section yeah. and you want to move cause the sun and all that. And yeah. did you work in a restaurant? At, yeah. Yeah. I did. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you work for Denny. So you understood, you understood the whole weirdness of the seating chart and, yeah, and all I mean, that. I, yeah. I mean, I, um, I worked at, I worked at a restaurant called Madison's cafe in college. I worked at Denny's for a while. Uh -huh. I, um, but yeah, and then you know I eat in restaurants a ton. I spend yeah you know, too much. Um, so you know it's one of those things you're just sitting there and you're like, what what happened yesterday? What happened? well I was at you know often nothing happened except for I I went to I, I had a meal at this restaurant. You know, mm -hmm. and, um, I've I think I've just about you know I, I've um, just about milked everything out of restaurants over the last three albums. Like us, yeah. I'm, uh, I got a new hour that's, you know, it's starting to take shape. And uh, I don't think there's any restaurant jokes in it for the first time. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I think I beat that one to death. Yeah. Yeah, you, you did it very well. Mm -hmm. And I is is One Star Wonder your first album? Is that the first one you put out? Yeah, I mean, sort of. Like, I, I put out an album, um, you know, when I was probably before I should have put out an album. I was, it was called, I, I put out two albums. One was Hit Him With Your Flute, Greg. And then the other one was... Um, <laughs> one one star warrior and those were like self-released albums they weren't uh -huh. with a, a label and um you know jack vaughn was starting 
uh, Comedy Central Records. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he heard both those and was like, hey, man, let's do a real album on a real record label. And that, you know, Jack has mm-hmm. since gone on to, he runs Sirius XM Comedy. Mm-hmm. But um, he launched, you know, Comedy Central Records, which was, you know, he launched it, I think he launched it with Mitch Hedberg's first album. You know, he did the same thing with yeah. Mitch. Mitch recorded one on his own, and then he's like, no, Mitch, let's do one here. And that, you know, one of the greatest albums ever was, was what launched it. And Jack really sort of, you know, I think he had a, a lot of influence on what the modern comedy album is because he, he was the first right. one to be like, okay, we need to get people on Pandora. We need to do, you know, all these things. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, uh, those first two albums, um, if you, anybody has one, destroy it. Yeah. There's some terrible stuff on there, but, it, you know, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I did One Star uh, Wonder and then an album called Running Out of Time that I did my, by myself. And then I did um, Fish Sandwich and then uh, Where the Field Corn Grow. So. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the One Star Wonder, if it was your first album, I, I've listened to a lot of first albums and they are normally self-produced. And uh, you're right. You, you know, some sometimes you're just not ready and you put the album out. This album, I felt like was ready. It was another one that yeah, it was, I was it, able it, just to listen to and enjoy. Yeah, Hit Him With Your Flute was was not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some good stuff on there, it's just, but there's also some stuff where I'm like, ah, what am, that's, you know, it's not, you know, it's not not ter- terribly good. Uh, but, you know, there, I, I, I don't think I'll ever listen to it. But <laughs> yeah. 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 I can't remember what I, I think, you know, at the time I was like, it was back when I was, uh, Crank Yankers was a big thing on Comedy Central and I wanted uh-huh. to audition for it, you know, and I, um, I did these crank phone call things that were, I thought really good. And then they were based on real prank phone calls, but mm-hmm. my manager's like, yeah, why don't you take the actual prank phone call and then, you know, just record a skit based on it. So you don't get in trouble. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, but they're, you know, they're all the skits are based in reality. And like those, I put those on that first album. Those things are pretty good, you know, and some of the standup's yeah. good, but some of the standup is, you know, it's average, you know, yeah. you know, and it, some of it probably wouldn't, I don't know. I think some of it probably wouldn't be all that appropriate for the times. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you seem like a, and correct me if I'm wrong, you seem like a uh, perfectionist when it comes to getting on the stage and delivering because I've I've seen like videos and, and uh, some, some of your stuff crosses over uh, from uh, albums to the dry bar special and stuff like that. So I, your delivery seems to be, consistent and it also i've i also saw improvement from the first time i heard a joke to the last time you did it based on what i could see and hear so you seem like a perfectionist that you'd never feel like a joke's totally baked is that is that yeah i think so yeah i mean you know it's um i think uh you know i mean this is something that all comics know i mean it's as soon as you put something on a, a CD or a video special, you'll figure out how to, how to do the joke better about 10 days later. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I, and I, you know, I try these days when I try to put an album, I, I hope, you know, none of it is repeated, but earlier right. in your career, you sort of have some crossover. And like I said, there's like, well, that's, uh, there's this dry bar special that I did 
and I didn't even know dry bar was going to be a big deal. It's just a, a, a yeah. thing that a friend of mine was doing. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. And I just, but I, you know, and I did material off of mostly fish sandwich. And uh-huh. uh, um, so, yeah. So then you do have the opportunities where like most of that material, I was like, this is done. I put it on a, I put it on a, uh, an album. I'm probably not going to do anything with it. And then this dry bar thing came up I'm like, Oh, cool. Now I get to do these jokes and I've improved a couple of them since then. Yeah. So, you know, you know, right. I, I can do it, do it a little better. And, um, yeah, I, I, uh, and then I think, you, you know, hopefully you become just a better, for lack of uh, better words, uh, uh, I think you become a better deliverer or a better yeah. delivery. You know, I think overall, um, I think you just become a better comedian and uh your stage presence a little better I, you know some things i moved to new york for like five years and i, I think that really really helped me in a lot of ways um, uh-huh. i think um it also was good for me to come back and, and get out of new york for my style but um mm-hmm. yeah it, it really sort of sharpened me up i, I think some of the fat fell off of the, uh, a few of the bits mm-hmm. uh, new york really does that to you you're going up in between some really good comics and you know, you got to get to it quick and people are yeah. doing their, their hits. So that helped me. But then I, I felt like maybe some of the silliness that I had in uh, some of my bits and some of the character stuff I got away from when I was in New York, cause there wasn't enough room for it. So when I, uh-huh. I moved back home, um, you know, I started working on the, where the field corn grows thing. And there was a little more silliness and a little, you know, yeah. some of the character bits and it wasn't in some, there's some stories. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure a lot of that material would have would would have worked that well in in some of the city clubs. So. Yeah, and the the act out stuff and the voices and things like that. There's a there's a contrast between how you look and what you emote because you you've got like right now you've got a serious look on your face and you start out all of your shows with a pretty serious look on your face a little looking a little bit confused and a little bit like why am i here and stuff like that so it's very it's unexpected that you're going to get as animated as you are and also do the voices and stuff like that so that's one of the things that drew me in is that is that something that you kind of put together on purpose or is that just are we just lucky that that's the way you look well, it's, you know, it's interesting you said that. I, you know, I think I sort of, um, I think a few things are going on there. But it, it wasn't like I set out and was like, well, this is how I'm going to craft comedy. Uh-huh. Uh, I think early on in a lot, of, a lot of my bits, sort of, I was either the victim or the straight man. And then I was doing a character of somebody yeah. who's maybe a little more, animated and a little more cartoony or silly than me um so there's i think that's why that contrasted there and then i think you know a few things work and you're like okay well that's a that's a thing that i can do but i do think that that me the version of you know when i'm just not in a character that's probably a little closer to who i am you know Mm -hmm. i probably do have a more serious face or i you know or i'm maybe a little more laid back uh maybe even a little a little defeatist at times but uh yeah um but yeah i, I think uh you know i i don't think it was something that i set out to do but you know i think you fall into a group you know you find where things work and you're like okay well let's especially early on in comedy when you're 
you know, you're not that good and you're just uh-huh. like, man, I'm getting, I'm getting killed up here. And then you find this thing where it works <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do more than that. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, let's right. do that thing where, uh, they're actually paying attention. I'm going to do more of that. And, um, so then you, you kind of carve out a, a maybe a little bit of a, a niche for yourself. Yeah. And you, you had the opportunity to hone those skills uh, while you were working in, in, in the real world. And one of the things that I recognize and drew me to your persona when we popped when the field corn grows up was I knew there was something about you that was similar to me and you don't know it until you find out that you were in sales and I've been in sales for 20 a lot of years and what what, what do you sell uh, or what have you sold yeah well uh, i started out with copiers uh and then i went to uh it services managed services and now i sell managed security services so mostly techie stuff okay but the funny thing with sales is is we're all doing the same thing yeah and it's a relationship and if you go buy a car it's a much shorter relationship um but you're you're compacting uh the getting them on your side and do the emotional buy and stuff like that and it's it's, it doesn't matter what you do there's different longer sales cycles and stuff like that but you're everybody's doing the same thing so if anybody thinks they're in a better class of sales uh that's not true. No, it's a, I think there's some differences, you know, you know, I think, um, cause I, when I first got the job, you know, I, I worked for Procter and Gamble. I sold yeah. uh, in their food beverage, uh, sector, which they, it doesn't exist anymore, but, um, uh-huh. uh, products like Jif and, uh, Duncan Hines and Crisco and Folgers, Sunny Delight, Hawaiian Punch. <laughs> but when I first, you know, went into that business, I, I think, I was out of college and I was sort of desperate. I felt like I needed to make money. And, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, you know, I kind of felt like, man, I'm not this guy. I'm not a sales guy. I'm a little shy when I mm-hmm. don't know people and I'm not that slick. I'm just not. And I had a, a used car salesman in my, in mind, which those guys are good. You know, a yeah. lot of those guys are good. And the, and the relate, it's interesting what you said at Keaton and like the, the relationship is very short. Um, yeah. But what I was going into was like, you know, after I got through sort of some introductory stuff, I had a chain of grocery stores and I had like, you know, a few buyers and those are my guys. There's no Mm -hmm. other business. You know, I have Kroger Cincinnati and Kroger Columbus. Those are that's like, you know, three or four hundred stores. I have my buyers at those two accounts and I'm with these guys for two or three years, you know, however, like, yeah. you know, there's some people they're with them for 20 years. Like these are, these are my uh, buyers. We have a relationship. I can't pull one over on them. Cause I got to walk in there, you know, two weeks later, we're, we're in this together. Yeah. Or I can't be like, right. you know what? Screw you. I'm going down the street. There is no down the street. Like there's <laughs> yeah. another guy that has the other account down the street. I can't go down the street. So yeah, it's a really, it's like, it's, it's really funny. Like, I think if you're a buyer and that, that's a tough job too, but I also yeah. feel like it would be an easy way to get a little full of yourself or if, and, and a lot of the guys that I called on weren't, they were bright guys, yeah. but like 
you have people in front of you that, you know, I'm, let's say I, I, I call in this peanut butter buyer. I mean, I have to manage the relationship. So a lot of it becomes like, it's an argument, but it's an argument that I cannot, if I win, I got to win it and make him still feel like he's the man. And yeah, if he says yeah. something that I completely agree, uh, disagree with or something crazy, I kind of be like, well, you know, that's, that's an interesting point, uh, uh, Steve. I, I, yeah. it's, it's a really interesting point. <laughs> I'm not sure I see it that way, but I, I like what you're like, you know, like, you know, it's yeah. like I'm selling peanut. I sold Jif peanut butter, you know, and, and they could say crazy things, you, you know, well, I'll tell you yeah. what, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter was a, a peanut farmer and I don't care for his politics. So I don't advertise <laughs> peanut butter. And, and now a normal person would say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What are you talking yeah. But I would have to be like, you know, I, man, I never thought, I never thought of that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I actually, uh, you know, I never thought of that. That's a good point. Let's, you know, let's just walk away. I'll, I'll come in next week and we'll try something else. We'll, mm. we'll talk about cake mix, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, see, I, the next hour that I'm working on has sort of this, I'm really trying to revisit that, uh, that time in my life. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you're, I think if you're in sales, man, it's a little bit like baseball. You, you are humbled every time, you know, all, all the time. Yeah. It, you know, and especially probably something like you're selling, it's a big thing. It's like, Hey, you know, you, you might fail eight times, you know, but yeah. then when you get that yeah. big one, it's like, wow, we just sold them a new system. Things are going well. Yeah. And I, you know, I made my year, but yeah, yeah, I think I think sales. There's, it's funny because most people are like those guys are dirtbags and you know, yeah. oh yeah, they're scumbags or whatever. But in a way, it's one of the most honorable professions because you are humbled every day. You know, you know. Yeah. You, oh yeah. I, I I have this great idea and somebody just says no. You know, and yeah. there's all these there's all these ways to like sort of get past no. And you know, most mm -hmm. of them didn't work for me. I mean, they had these like. Here's how you handle the objection. Well, I remember calling this guy, David Newcomb at Fiesta. He's a great guy. But I mean, the first six or seven times I called on him, I do my presentation and David mm -hmm. would um, either go like this yeah. or that was it. There was no dialogue. Yeah. And, you know, and I would, and I would be like, uh, you know, I'd be like, Hey, I got this great idea on a Crisco oil promotion. And he'd go, <laughs> And, and I'm trying to go into my training. You know, I'm a good kid. I'm yeah. like, well, they told me, David, I hear you saying, but uh, how does it, <laughs> it's, 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 um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, that's cool that you're in it, man. It's, uh, it's well, a, and I, I really feel like it's a, the perfect job for getting you ready for stand up because you got a thick skin and you, you know, you're going to fail. Yeah. Most times when you first get on stage, you just know it and you don't beat yourself up about it because you know, tomorrow's a new day. So it, it just seems like the perfect job for transitioning into standup. Yeah, that's really it. I never, I don't think I thought about that because I, you, you're right. There is a lot of rejection. Um, and maybe it did sort of help me get ready for, for the career. I still early on in the standup, it just it was so personal when you didn't do, do well. And I, Mm -hmm. really beat myself up over it. And I beat myself up over some, I never beat myself up when the buyer said no, but I definitely beat myself up when I was like, I screwed something up. You know, like, yeah. like there's a few times when it was like, uh, the, 
we ran out of Crisco oil and it's all my fault because I didn't prepare the plant for this ad, you know, like that. that yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that. I would just be like this. You messed up, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the standup stuff, I was, you know, I, it still stings if something bad happens in standup, but I'm over it real quick, you know, yeah. R- really right. quick. Used to, I used yeah. to carry it around forever. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Are there any audiences that just don't understand your take on Midwest stuff? I don't think, um, I mean, I don't think that my act is, um, particularly difficult to understand. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, there's not, and that's, you know, I, I think that's, I try to make it accessible. I don't, I don't want it to be stupid, but I also don't want to sort of be like, Hey, you have to know a few things to get this act. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I just, you, we just have to be a human being that is, has been alive for a while. Um, but there is, you do have to listen. And that is the one time yeah. I think where most standups struggle is if like, if the, if the setting isn't right and they're just not listening, that's a, tr- that's a tricky deal. And mm-hmm. there's tricks. I, I kind of, most of the time, I'm not that emotional about it. Cause it's like, I know so many tricks now. I have all this material I can draw from. If it didn't work, it probably wasn't going to work. You know, you, yeah. know, you know, like, like I kind of, it's <laughs> I kind of like, you know, I, there's not a lot of moves I could have made cause I know them now. Yeah. That being said, you know, like now in a shorter set, you know, there was some stuff there was when I lived in New York, there's a few sets that I, that, that bother me. You know that mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I failed there. I did not. I, I think I was didn't have maybe not enough confidence, and I was not decisive enough, and it bothers me. You know, and, yeah. and, and part of that made me a better comic. But yeah, that's got to be tough doing the New York thing because you've got it, it's different than an open mic where you're there with uh, twenty other shitty comics. You're in there with with you with your peers that you really respect and yeah. you want them to like you too sure you got to get that's a thing and i've that's thing that's made me sick a few times where i look back i'm like i was trying to impress somebody and that that you shouldn't do that you should just make the audience laugh stand behind what you you, you know yeah what you you've written but yeah there's there's great comics there there's just you know great comics that you've heard of that are very mm-hmm. famous great comics that you've never heard of you, you know that are really strong yeah what did you um when did you start getting where you felt like you were good at it that you you thought that you know okay i'm not i'm I'm not shitty most of the time up here i'm 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 getting i'm getting to the point where i'm i can i can do a good 45 minutes a good 45 well i mean i think it kind of comes in so you start off and you're doing open mic nights and then you, you're the MC, which you're doing mm-hmm. 10 minutes and then you're the feature act and you're doing 30 and then you're the headliner and you're doing 45. So most of the time as an MC, it's just hit and miss. It's the, one of the hardest things to do is open a show. It's a tough spot and you're the least qualified to do it. Mm-hmm. People aren't paying attention. They're eating. They don't expect much from you. And I was that for a long time because I had a day job, you know, I was selling peanut mm-hmm. butter during the day. So I was doing that at night and, um, you know, it was uh, hit and miss. And I started having a little more success towards the end. And then, you know, 
I, w- I worked that day job for 10 years and I was kind of doing comedy on and off. Um, mm. Towards the last couple of years, I started feeling like, man, I'm, I'm getting better at this. Like I'm getting better. And mm-hmm. I think it was like, you know, I started, I, I think I took on a little bit angrier of a persona and, 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 and too angry, you know, like uh-huh. not believable, not what I'm doing yeah. now, you know, but too angry, right. but it, it helped me. It was, I, it wasn't that thing where I'm like, please laugh at me. So I was took on this angrier thing and I found a rhythm and I found, you know, I had some pretty, you know, consistent material. And then, you know, I, I, um, I got to be this, the second guy, uh, for a while, I, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the I, you know, I was still working and, but a, my friend up in Dayton, Ohio, Lisa Grigsby owned this comedy club. And she was like, Hey, we're, we're going to move you up to the feature. You're going to do 30 minutes. You don't have to be first. And I had a couple really good sets. A memorable one was I worked with Kevin Pollack, who was, you know, it's not that long after he had done a few good men and he decided to go back to stand up for a while on the weekends. And he, you know, he was, there was a sold out crowd and I was the second guy and you know, Kevin, it was cool to me. He liked me, you know, he's like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and he didn't know that I was just a part-timer. And he was like, I kind of told him and he's like, yeah, man, you, you know, you could do this. You you could do this. And it, it yeah. meant a lot. So, you know, not too long after that, I quit my, my day job and I went on the road as a feature that's, you know, as the second guy. And that's back mm-hmm. 2001, 2002. That's when you could go on the road for 50 weeks if you were any good and knew some people and feature, mm-hmm. you know, and they'd give you a place right. to stay, not much money uh, mm-hmm. at all, but you could work. And I worked that whole year and, you know, I got good at the audience makes noise after every time I sell yeah. Like I got good at, like, I say this thing and they <laughs> laugh, you know, I say this thing, they laugh. And, you know, and then I, st- I, I talked to a couple buddies of mine that, that were better comics and, you know, I think I got like, I was trying to kill and not trying to be funny. And there's a difference. And yeah. I, I think I started, I started to see, okay. Um, now that I'm not terrified of not getting a laugh, and that's a, that, that's a long process of be, it you is. know, like most yeah. people are up there just terrified of, you know, like I, you know, I have some guys that, that, uh, friends of mine that, sometimes I'm unreasonable with them. Cause I forget, man, they're still in that place where it's like, they you know, they're afraid that things are going to go horrible, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, eventually you sort of get to like, man, I, I'm pretty confident every time I do 30 minutes that they're going to probably laugh, you know? And, mm. and, and then it starts to get a little stale and you're going more for the laugh than you are. You're, you're going more for the noise. Just make them make some sort of noise than you are. Say something that's funny. Um, and, and I started to, to dial back and be like, okay, now what, what do I, what can I say that's different than other people are saying, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what, what can I say that's personal? You know, what point can I make that, uh, you know, other people aren't making, or can I make it in a way that's different than other people are making it? And that's when I think you start experiencing growth and you, you know, every now and then you take a few steps back there. Cause you're like, wow, I could kill, but I want to do this thing that I think is better. And it takes a while to to make that funny. And then, you know, I, that probably some of that got mixed in where I had some roots in Houston, Texas. That was my first sales territory. And there was some pretty mm-hmm. cool stuff going on in the comedy community down there. There's a guy that owned this club, the laugh stop. His name was Mark Babbitt. And he had a, 
he was one of the first supporters of D Mitch Hedberg and David Tell, and th there was a scene down there, and they mm. they kind of had their eye on what was going on in Hollywood, and you know, and what was going on with really good comedy. So I would sort of go down there every few months during that first year, and just like hang for two weeks, do a little work, hang out, do the open mic. And just sort of check to see, hey, is this stuff that I'm doing? Does it resonate with the, you know, the 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 people that are a little hipper? And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and and uh, is am I not out here just uh, trying to get you know trying to get laughs with dumb stuff? And that was yeah. kind of a nice little barometer. And you know, I I, I about a year or two in, I got a a couple of breaks where you know, like I got a, got to uh -huh. go to the Montreal Comedy Festival, and I got a a manager and um, you know a couple tv credits and then it was just just all that stuff it shouldn't matter but it, it, that gives you a little more confidence like hey man i'm yeah. kind of you know what i'm doing people are seeing there's something to it and then you just start feeling a little freer to do what you want to do mm -hmm. and you appeal to just about everybody uh and I, I, I compare you like to like a Nate Bargatze. I've gotten to see him three times, uh, two or three times. And it's amazing to see the audience because it's anywhere from 10 year old kids um, and um, all the way up to my age people with ponytails and all. It's just a big, you know, you got bikers and just yeah. a big uh, cornucopia of different people. And I, I, it seems like your audience is the same that you can appeal to young, old and everybody in between. Yeah. That's um. first of all, Nate's, you know, he's really, he's a friend. Uh, we got to know each other in New York a little bit. I mean, he's uh He's real good, really, really good, and a good guy. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I I've tried to write fairly universally. You know, I think for a long time we like I want to I want this to go on TV, and you know, I, mm. I and, and so I'd like it to appeal to most people. Um, and yeah, our, you know, maybe the makeup of our audience is it's a similar cross section. I can assure you that uh, Nate's cross section is uh, much bigger than mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nate's, Nate's, uh, Nate's doing real well for himself, man. He's, and it's yeah. well deserved. He's a great comic. Right, yeah. right. And uh, it, it just it, it seems to me that you would have a similar uh, a, a similar type of fan base. But what was it that um, made you? What was the first realization that you had that you wanted to entertain that broader? uh fan base and maybe not uh say fuck as much or 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 or, or whatever oh. what 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 was it that made you You're decide me, hey i'm gonna it, do it, that it specifically be cleaner yeah um so i never wrote dirty i, I yeah, actually early on i was probably a little dirty and you know the mm. content and then there was a period when i you know i was saying fuck way too much on the road and mm. then I started to sort of feel like um, I want to be on TV, you know, and what's the point of mm. writing this joke when it can't be on TV? I would like to be on, you know, some TV. So mm. uh, that was purely a sort of strategic move um, to get start getting some of the profanity out of it. And then I got older um, and I think I just 
started feeling like it was unnecessary and it was, uh, you know, and I'm not that guy. I mean, it, it, you'll hear me say it plenty during, you know, <laughs> off stage. Um, and you'll hear it even in a club show once in a while, but I started yeah. feeling like, uh, if I put something out, I'd like it to be clean, you know? Yeah. And then, um, you know, I had sort of a, a really important thing. I think maybe six years ago, um, I was working on a new chunk of material and I called, uh, uh, Jack Vaughn who had, um, I, I told you he, he went to Sirius XM at the time. He, he took mm -hmm. the job at Sirius XM comedy and Sirius XM has been a huge supporter of mine. It's been, you mm -hmm. know, the, the really them and the Bob and Tom show have been there for me the whole time and, and a couple other radio shows across the country, but those two, it's where a lot of people know me from. So, I called Jack and I said, Hey, I got this, this new block of material. And I'm, you know, I'm, he always had good advice. He just, he always had pretty good advice on, you know, how to shape the next album. And I didn't, man, I got like two sentences in and Jack was like, Hey man, can you make it clean? Like G rated. And I was like, I've uh -huh. never been like G rated. And he's like, you know, I'm sort of reshaping this channel laugh USA and we, we need more G rated material. He goes, you know, make it G-rated. And he, and he sent me some, you know, some guidelines and they were, you know, strict. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was like, Hey, what if I do, he goes, I, you know, I'm looking for stuff now. And I was like, well, I haven't been played on this channel much. What if I, you know, make this album that's half brand new stuff that's G-rated. And then I pull some of the old stuff in and, and make sure that's G-rated. He's like, yeah, do it, do it. You know, it's like, hasn't played on this channel. And that's what fish uh -huh. sandwich, uh, that, that was fish sandwich, the album. And, you know, I really haven't looked back. Like, I, I don't mm. think I'll put anything out any anymore that um, isn't G-rated. And it, mm. some people mistakenly think they're like, oh, people's favorite thing to do is like, well, that's, you know, it's a higher form of comedy. I'm like, I, no, I, I don't think that at all. It's, it's my, what Jack says was, you're way too close to being, all the way clean to not be all the way clean. Like at the time uh. I was like real close to being G rated, just doing what I was doing. And it's like, make five adjustments and you're there. And I think I was yeah. either too scared or too lazy to make those five adjustments. And I made them. And now that's where I am. Now that being said, you know, there's a lot of guys that are filthy that I think are geniuses, you yeah. know, and, and, right. and, yeah. and, and you know, that, that I would pay to go watch. Um, it's just not my style. I think now it doesn't come out of my mouth, uh, as naturally. Um, if you came to a club show, you know, don't expect to totally see G rated material. It will be <laughs> the material itself. The subject matter will not be offensive. It'll be normally what I do, but every now and then, especially when I'm developing something, you'll hear, you know, you'll, you'll hear me say something profane not very often you, you know yeah. and i and at some point maybe i'll get to where i just never say it anywhere on stage but uh sometimes yeah. i like to be yeah this is a club show it's a little different than you know um yeah so um that's kind of how i got there i never and you know if what you mean by broad audience is clean yes as far as like appealing to a broad audience like i never made that any i may never made that decision when it came to um you know other than be clean and 
you know, I really don't talk about anything political. Um, And again, I, there's some comics that I really like that do. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I have opinions. I just have always, it's never been something that I've been, you know, I'm not the guy that that's wants to talk politics all the time off stage. I'm not the guy that's, you you know, I, I, I read the paper. I I have some opinions, you know, but (laughs) these days I feel like, man, when they come to the comedy club to see me, um, I'd rather let's, let's just forget about all that, you know, during this show for, I'd rather somebody didn't get up and walk out of the show. I'll give you an analogy and I'm getting way off, off point here. But like, I I remember when I was in Houston, Texas, uh, I just moved down there for, you know, it was my first job. I was in that sales store. You know, when you're in sales, you're driving around all the time. And I was, I I used to listen to sports radio show all the time. And I I was really into sports radio and I love this guy. And just little by little, he started talking more and more about politics. And it was not at all the politics that I agreed with. And um, I was like, man, I didn't come here for this. Like, I can go down the dial and get that. This was a respite. This is this yeah. is like, yeah. I'm supposed to have a vacation from that. And we don't have to fight here. Now I got to f- get mad on your sports show about something that has nothing to do with sports, you know? <laughs> And I sort of feel like my my comedy shows are like that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, that that all this if somebody knows me uh, from all the stuff I've put out over the last several years. They it's not because I lean one way or the other politically. So if I just start saying that it's like, man, we didn't come here for this. What, now, mm-hmm. now half the audience based on the way our country is, half the audience is going to be upset. And I, I would rather not have that. Right. Sometimes I'm like, you're a coward. You should talk about what you feel. And then, <laughs> you know, I, I um, challenge myself every now and then, but I kind of still wind up like, ah, it's probably just not who I'm going to be on stage. Yeah. You know? And the, the end goal is to be funny. I mean, that's the, it, it, and some people reach funny by being political, like a yeah. Lewis yeah. Black some or people, you know, so, you know, that's, that's their bent and they're good at it. And they're real you know, good I, at it. I feel the same as you because I cannot, you know, I've, I got more uh, R-rated material and tried it, and it just doesn't work for me. I don't look yeah. like the type of guy that would say that. I look like a high school history teacher, and <laughs> it, it it just it just doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah, it, I think it, that yeah, it doesn't feel natural. Yeah, I think now also is I, and sometimes when I'm saying it, it you know it comes out, but then I look at myself on tape and I'm like, ah, you don't look like that guy anymore. You know? Yeah. Um, every now and then I do think it works and it it's like, I don't think it's offensive. You yeah. Know? And I don't, I think like, uh, my friend Kathleen Madigan, you, you're familiar with Kathleen. Yeah. She's, she's one of the best. Oh, yeah. And Kathleen, everybody's going to say, I was, I was teaser about this. She's like, Oh, Kathleen, she's, you know, she's great. She's clean. She's really clean. I'm like, she's not that clean. Like, <laughs> like yeah. she's clean. <laughs> Like she, she'll drop an F bomb here and there and it's, it's beautiful, you know, and, and nobody's yeah. offended by it. And I, I kind of like, again, she's for what I put out on, uh, on, on, on a CD or on a special, it's probably never going to be that. But when I'm uh-huh. at a club show, I could tell like, man, nobody's offended. I drop one or two mm. and I don't think anybody's offended by this. You know, I really, yeah. I really don't. 
Now, you've got this squeaky, squeaky clean material and you go to dry bar. Did you have to dial anything down because dry bar makes G look like uh No, I, uh, I don't think so. R it, sometimes. I think Laugh USA, which is kind of what I write for, which is a, uh -huh. you know, a popularly serious uh, station, I think their standards are very similar uh -huh. to dry bar. The only, like, little difference, the only thing I was conscious of was... Um, you know, Drybar originally was uh, uh, a Mormon company. Um, yeah. And there are some things about, like, Mormons really don't like you making fun of the institution of marriage. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. I might have had a joke or two in there. I was like, ah, they may go the wrong way with that one. But I sent it to mm -hmm. my buddy who, like, kind of runs a thing and was a Mormon. He's like, ah, they're fine. That's, that's fine. You know? yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. He's like, don't worry about that. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the only thing that I, I, I really, you know, and, and I've learned. It's, I do some corporate stuff now, and it's nice. Uh, it's usually a nice payday, and some of them are really fun gigs. But when I was younger, I would do, you know, I was pretty, you know, PG-17. I was profane, but I could clean it up. Um, and that they'd do, hey, you want to do this gig, this corporate gig? And I'd be like, sure. And there's, when you're trying to switch in the middle of a thing, there's a hitch in your delivery that ruins the, you know, ruins a lot. I mean, you think it's, oh, right. it's just that little, that hitch ruins everything. And now right. when I, you know, when you write clean and you just sort of, it's already clean, it's so fun to just go do it. And it's like, no, I just do what I do. You, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's yeah. nice. Again, you know, I, I really don't like to overvalue it artistically where it's like, I don't think it's a, a, a more pure way or a, you know, a better way. I just, it's my way, you know, uh -huh. again, there's some comics like Lewis black, man. Yeah. Lu you know, Lewis, he's not filthy, but he's, he's very profane and he's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm. there's Dave Attell is a genius. He's, he is a genius, <laughs> you, mm. you know, um, and he's not clean. Uh, yeah. so, <laughs> um, you know, probably one of the first comics I saw, like that I liked was Eddie Murphy. He wasn't clean, uh -huh. you know? Right. Yeah. Thinking about the business part, because I, I know that Sirius getting involved with Sirius XM is like one of the best things for comics because they actually take care of the artist, you know, yeah. make sure, make sure you get paid properly and all that. Whereas everything else pretty much just screws you out of money. And, uh, it's, it's really refreshing to see that, but thinking about business, you, you had, um, uh, where the field corn, uh, grows on Amazon for a while, and then you um, also put it on YouTube. And I know that was a conscious decision. What, where do you get the timing, and where do you know what? What does YouTube do for you that Amazon didn't? Um, you know, I I think uh, first of all, the, the eight hundred pound gorilla is my record label, and I kind of let them make a lot of these decisions. They produced mm. where the field corn grows. They produce mm -hmm. fish sandwich. And I sort of, there's some smart people over there that, you know, know what they're doing. And, and they, yeah. I sort of trust them when it comes to this. And we kind of decided, hey, let's leave it on a streaming service on Amazon for a year. Mm -hmm. And then after a year, probably the most people that wanted to see it there are going to see it. And it's still up there. It's not like it's mm -hmm. not there. But right. let's open it up a little bit more. And I think most comedy specials, other than maybe the stuff that's on Netflix, eventually it gets it gets to YouTube, and it's I, I just think it's mm -hmm. you know it gets gets more eyes on it. Hopefully, um, yeah, you know it's yeah, it's, and 
It's fairly recent that went on YouTube. And yeah, yeah, just over, maybe a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, it's over a half million already. So it's uh, oh, that's good. Do, doing really good. Thinking about so I, I I'm just about to take an hour of your time. So I, there's one question I ask everybody, and uh, I've cut it down because nobody wants to talk about the worst advice they got. But uh, what's the best advice you got from anybody when you were coming up in comedy? Um, I think you, you know, there's probably a lot of stuff, but the one that really, I remember is this guy named Ron Morey, who's one of the funniest comics I know. Um, this guy out of Phoenix and he gave me two pieces of advice. One, we were at the last stop in Houston and we were like screwing around in the green room or, you know, in the bar you know mm-hmm. and uh we used to do impressions of this guy that was a club owner in uh columbia missouri and i could do him this guy named freddie demarco and i'm like hey ron what are you doing i mean come on ron you're killing me why are you why are you busting my balls like just ron and ron just loved it and ron's like hey man you should do more of that on stage like you're that's where you're really funny is in these characters you should try to do that on on stage uh-huh. and then um this comedian felicia michaels i worked with who was a really nice nice lady and she she i opened for and she was like hey you're do i was doing like impressions like celebrity impressions and they were Mm -hmm. horrible she was was like do more characters and impressions you know and i kind of i listened to her and then ron also told me you know listen to your act while you're doing something else he was like tape yourself and back then it was you just do a cassette tape you know a mm-hmm. walkman type thing he's like tape yourself and then you know listen to it while you're doing the dishes or listen to it while you're driving or listen to it while you're doing you know something folding laundry don't like be so dialed in that you're you know just kind of have it as background um mm-hmm. and you'll make you'll start to make uh, subtle adjustments to how you deliver material and uh, it was great advice, and I, you know, I, I really try to. When young comics want to know, like I'm like, Dad, listen, listen around, man. That that was that was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. Yeah, that's really good, and I never thought about it that way. And it's it's it it's always hard to listen back to yourself anyway. And well, but uh, if you put it in the background, then the highlights are gonna hit you at least subliminally. Also, I think it's um. It's after a while, believe it or not, Scott, it's not hard to listen to yourself um, if you yeah. do it enough. Because I'm as critical and I have hangups and just, uh, you know, I'm insecure as everybody. And I'm not sure I can watch myself as much, especially now. Yeah. But um, <laughs> listening, I have no problem doing it now. I enjoy it. And here's what I'll... You're in walking through the, uh, the, the back of a comedy club and your buddy's on stage... And you're just going to the kitchen and he says something and you immediately know how to fix that joke. Yes. You're like, yeah. yeah. You're like, Oh, yeah. you just get rid of that word, that word and switch these two and you can do that. Yeah. Well, part, and then you listen to your own joke, your, your own in your work. God, I sound, do I sound like that? This, this is terrible. I should be better than this. I quit my job and I'm this bad or am yeah. I that nasally? Why am I that na- You know, like yeah. you're too hung up on yourself. So you don't make the, you know, but if you hear yourself, enough like you just hear yourself in the background when you're washing dishes and then you do do it at the coffee shop when you actually are paying attention to every word you say you just hear it every day eventually you're just listening to another comic 
you know, like you, you, the guy you're listening to is you, but it's, it, you have the same effect as when you're just walking through the back of the comedy club. So you hear yourself as just another comic and you're like, I know how to fix that thing. You just get rid yeah. of that thing and that thing and that mm -hmm. thing. And you, you know, you, you're, you're, you're going too fast right there. Slow that down. And you know, I, I would, if you have a problem listening to yourself or if any comic does lean into it and just keep listening, just keep listening and try to do it at different times in different places. And again, you know, sometimes pay a lot of attention to it. Sometimes it's just background noise. Um, right. And, you know, I, I, I think I heard this secondhand, but I, I know Brian Regan writes that way a lot, basically mm -hmm. just listening to his act. And it's like, you know, he's like, oh, there's a, let's see if we can make that bit a little bigger. Oh, I have an idea on how to make that, you know, how to say another thing about that thing, you know? Yeah. I think yeah. comedy's like, it's just this just constant take a premise and you know it, you it gets bigger go wide go wide with it let's try to get everything we can and then you start narrowing it down and narrow it down let's get it down uh -huh. to only the stuff that's funny and now uh -huh. you're down to like three funny lines and you're like let's see if we can go wide again and pick up some more stuff you know let's yeah. go, let's take it out yeah. let's take let's take it way wide again and you're like all right i picked up all this now let's chop some of that stuff off and then a branch of it you want to go wide with and chop some of that yeah. stuff off yeah I'm, I'm experiencing that right now. I've been doing it for about five years and I'm starting to see, I, I've, I've done that. I've taken it down. And I'm like, Oh, now I can get three yeah. more tags off of this. Yeah, it's an, man, in five years, I think, is it, I think five years and you know, these rules you're like, comedians take this literally like, well, it's five years, you know, but I, I yeah. feel like right around five years is when you're like, okay, I'm not terrified of being on stage anymore. And I'm usually you know, I'm going to get some laughs. I kind of know mm. how to get laughs. And when I don't, I know what I did wrong or I know to, I think it's a really fun, fun. If you can make most guys, you know, most comics just drop out by five, you know, it's this 90% yeah. attrition rate. Cause those yeah. first five years are brutal, yeah. you know, and life gets in the way. But if you can make it to five, I think now, now you can start thinking about, okay, now I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm going to start being, myself on stage and then uh -huh. 10 i think is when you kind of that it's another level You're like ah, i think now i'm kind of myself and now i can really get it you know i think it's another level but yeah five is a good i, I think five it was like a, a a like a landmark time for me you know yeah it it, it does feel like getting over a hump yeah you you, you i mean your first three years, you're just non-funny, and then you start to develop your voice, and then five is, you know, I I, I feel like I know what I want my act to look like now. So, yeah, and, but, and you yeah. know, in those first three years, you are funny at times. You're very funny at times. It's just, oh yeah. Sometimes it's it's like the the job of being a comedian is not just to be funny. It's being able to replicate being funny. It's like, yeah, yeah. I did that. Now, can I do that? Always, you know, like I right. said that thing that way and it laughed. Now, how can I say it 500 more times? Yeah. And get, you no know, get in, 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 uh, and be positive that's going to get a laugh, you know? Yeah. And now I'm taking yeah. away some of the mystery and the, you know, the art of comedy, but it is. I mean, most of the stuff right. that they say has been said before. And it's, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it starts out as, as a big rock and you got to just chisel away, chisel away till you get to the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I certainly appreciate appreciate you doing the show. You don't, oh, I enjoy I mean, it, you, you don't do a ton of podcasts. I started looking at, um, I mean, uh, you uh, you did Breaking Down Bits and then um, a couple of 
I just listened to one. I can't remember. It's the the stupid people one. Um, oh, is it the Scar uh, Brothers? Uh, I dumb, think it is. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah, those guys. Yeah, are, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- those are. I've done that. That's one of my favorite podcasts. Is the the, um, the Scar Brothers podcast? That's a dumb town. I think it is. Um, dumb yeah, people, dumb yeah. people town. That's it's, a, that that is yeah. a great. And then Jimmy Pardo. Uh, uh, I've done his a couple times. That's a great podcast. And then there's uh, Chick McGee had a great podcast for a long time that I, uh-huh. I, I don't think he does it that much anymore. That's a great one. And then uh, Rock the Cash Bar are these comics out of St. Louis, or I'm sorry, out of Houston that talk about music. And uh, I'm, those guys are, that's a really fun podcast. Yeah. 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 Did you, did you ever get to work with Jeff Oskey? Oh yeah, he's great, man. God, that guy's. Oh man, yeah, he's really- he, he was he was a guest a couple God, a couple episodes funny, ago, yeah, and oh so good. I, uh, you know that what the failed dimension news that he's doing on Bob and Tom <laughs> now. It's just one of those things. Every time one comes up, I save it for right before my wife and I go to sleep, and yeah. I say we got to watch this, and he's it, good, man. it takes really, takes all the stress. Out. Yeah, it's really good, and I think he's kind of found his thing there, man. He's, he's yeah, he's a funny dude, man. Yeah, yeah, he really is. Well, it's been great having you on. Uh, if folks want to see where you're at and what you're doing and all the fun socials, where do they find you at? That's gregwarrencomedy.com. All right. gregwarrencomedy.com. That's you. I had a rough day. Anywho, um, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot and I, like I said, I, you're, you're one of those guys I can watch and not be taken out of it, trying to criticize your stuff or trying to, uh, uh, take good things from your show and apply it to mine except for screw you for doing plantar fasciitis <laughs> first because uh, it was going to be my bit yeah there's more to be said about it man there's more to be yeah said it's about. yeah it's, it was going to be my bit but well, now i, I do yeah, I'm sure you you probably have an angle on it that i don't have so yeah yeah uh, no i don't it was so it was so similar <laughs> it was like almost parallel thinking so i got to redo it if i if i ever do it or i just won't I, i'll feel like i I'm stealing Greg Warren's stuff, but anyhow, thanks for being on the show. Um, you, you were uh, a great guest and, uh, I love your stuff. I, I can't wait till the sales stuff comes out. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be a great album. I'm, I'm, or a great special. I'm really uh, looking forward to that. Well, well, thanks Scott. I, I, I enjoyed uh, talking with you, man. Thanks for having me.